0: Listen to CJSW all day long, but now CJSW wants to listen to you. Go to CJSW.com survey to submit your feedback and be entered to win one of two Slat Island Discovery Passes. This is Live Wired in Calgary. Hey everybody, welcome back to this month's edition of Live Wired in Calgary. I'm your host, Darren Krause, editor at LiveWireCalgary.com. This show is produced in partnership with CJSW 90.9 FM and recorded in studio at the University of Calgary on traditional Treaty 7 lands. We have a great show for you this month. We're going to talk a little bit about the province's upcoming legislative agenda with the new United Conservative Party. We'll touch on an unusual string of murders in the city, and then we hit a couple of transportation-related items in Calgary, with new transit fare pilot project and upcoming public consultation on lowering Calgary's residential speed limits. It is a jam-packed show, but we do have time for some On Your Radar, as June's a busy month and there's a whole lot going on. So let's get started. You can follow us on Twitter, at LiveWireCalgary, on Instagram, at LiveWire underscore Calgary, and like us on Facebook. We're going to start with the province, as the legislative session began last week with the throne speech and the introduction of Bill 1 to repeal the carbon tax. That's what the United Conservative Party ran on during April's campaign, and they're taking care of these items right off the bat. Here's UCP House Leader Jason Nixon on the party's agenda for this spring session.
1: We have an ambitious agenda that will start with the Carbon Tax Repeal Act. The carbon tax is all economic pain with no environmental gain. Not even its proponents have been able to uh, estimate a reduction in emissions while the tax makes the lives of ordinary Albertans more expensive. Passing the Carbon Tax Repeal Act will mean that ordinary people will no longer be punished for heating their homes and driving to work. Following this, uh, following the Carbon Tax Repeal Act, we will pass the Open for Business Act. That act will make it more attractive for job creators to invest in Alberta again by reversing the massive new costs on businesses imposed by the previous government. It will protect the rights of hard-working Albertans while reducing red tape for those who create jobs. Next, we'll implement the Job Creation Tax Cut. If passed, this act will reduce taxes on employers from 12% to 8%, that's a cut of one-third by 2022. It will give Alberta by far the lowest general business tax rate in Canada and one of the lowest in North America. And that will attract investment, start new businesses and create jobs. Businesses and investors are already responding to the job creation tax cut and we haven't even tabled it yet. That shows it will be a magnet for investment and major help in getting Albertans back to work. Those are just the first three pieces of legislation we will be introducing in the upcoming session. I expect that we will move about a dozen pieces of legislation before we depart for the summer.
0: Nixon was then grilled by reporters on a potential replacement for the NDP's climate leadership plan, to which Nixon stated they would be going forward with a tiered program aimed at heavy emitters, but that the prior plan would be scrapped because they claimed it showed no measurable improvement in reducing CO2 gases. There still is some concern over that as there are no no statistics showing CO2 levels from 2017 and 2018. Um, But, you know, on one hand, you do have to appreciate, to a certain degree, the UCP's resolve to deliver on some of the promises they made during the recent spring election. Still, it remains to be seen whether their plan will have any effect on reducing carbon emissions or if it's just a smokescreen to shield the oil and gas industry and Albertans from any meaningful CO2 reduction. It'll be a busy spring at the Alberta Legislature and we'll keep you posted on further developments. We're going to split up our transportation-related segments this month with a quick hit here on Calgary Transit's latest foray into an electronic fare payment system. Of course, they already have the ability at LRT stations to use visa and debit for tickets, which was miles ahead of the straight-up cash payment. I mean, whoever had the exact change, especially when it came to payments that weren't rounded to the nearest quarter? So this is a process that the city started probably 10 years, two failed contracts and $5 million ago. And that's $5 million that they're hoping to get back through legal means, but for all intents and purposes, it's probably lost. So in talking with my wife about this story, she asked point blank a question that many Calgarians were asking. Why, when I can pretty much pay for everything else in my life electronically or through my phone, can't I pay for transit? Excellent question. It's puzzling, really. So now the city is rolling out a pilot project called MyFair that allows for fare payment and ticket validation on four preliminary bus routes via the smartphone. It was rolled out last week, and it will involve Route 4 in Huntington, Route 38 that covers Brentwood and Temple, Route 149 in Point Trotter, and the 150 route, which travels on 114th Avenue Southeast. If you frequent these bus routes, you can sign up to be a part of the pilot program. The city will pilot this from late June to September on those four routes. To take part, you have to do it quickly, as the deadline to sign up is May 29th. You can get more information on this at calgarytransitcom slash myfair. All right, and on your radar this month, it is a very busy June here in the city of Calgary. We'll start off June 2nd with the annual Lilac Festival. For those who are unfamiliar with it, it's a day-long event along 4th Street Southwest that kind of bridges the city from spring into summer. It's a great event. Thousands of people will be lining the streets, so it's pretty fun, pretty busy, all sorts of family activities, foods, and a whole lot more. For information, visit lilacfestival.net. The 19th annual Funny Fest Comedy Festival goes ahead with 11 days of comedy. That will begin May 30th and goes through to June 9th. For information on shows and tickets, visit funnyfest.com. Spruce Meadows also jumps into action for the summer with two events the National and the Continental. The National begins June 5th, and the Continental begins June 12th. That's my birthday for those of you who are keeping track. On June 15th, the defending champion Calgary Stampeders will be back in action for the regular season with a rematch, a Grey Cup rematch, against the Ottawa Red Blacks. But for those of you who are really eager to get a jump on the season, there is a preseason game at McMahon Stadium against Saskatchewan on May 31st. June 19th, 2013, six years ago, began the devastating flooding in Calgary. We're at the anniversary mark coming up, and recently the City of Calgary said they've reduced the risk of flood damage by one-third. Still, there's work left to do, and ongoing flood mitigation work, including progress on the Springbank Offstream Reservoir. It was an election issue during April's campaign, and recently the NDP is starting to get... uh, they're starting to pressure the new UCP government into making a decision, a firm decision on what's going to happen with that. So in the coming weeks, we will see if there is any further progress. June 19th also marks the start of this year's Sled Island annual summer music festival. For more information on shows and tickets, visit sledisland.com. And wrapping up, This month's edition of On Your Radar, June is also the month for Neighbour Day. Going back to the flood tidbit I gave you a moment ago, Neighbour Day was born from the resilience and the camaraderie citizens showed in working together during that historic flood in our city. Now, citizens are encouraged to get involved with community events in their area, whether that's a block party, a local picnic, a parade of lawn parties. Just get out there and strengthen that bond in your neighbourhood. Neighbour Day falls on the third Saturday in June, and this year, that makes it June 15th. We don't hit crime very often here on Live Wired in Calgary, but a string of recent deaths has police wondering if there's a connection perhaps fueled by a flare-up in city gang violence. They won't outright say it, but they aren't ruling it out either. In this clip, we have Homicide Staff Sergeant Colin Chisholm talking about the CPS investigating the connection between four homicides in three targeted attacks over six weeks.
2: These are three uh, homicides that have occurred within the Indo-Canadian community here in Calgary. We would be remiss if we weren't looking at the possibility that they were linked. We're asking the public to come forward with information, even if it's a little bit of information, insignificant to them, maybe to them, but that little bit of information could definitely help us in our investigations.
1: Any indication that it might be linked yet to anything that was happening in the Lower Mainland? I believe that uh, Shiaveta had said earlier this week that they were
2: also looking at that as a possibility. We're, we're always looking at, at those possibilities. If they're linked to any other communities in the Indo community, Indo-Canadian community in, in Canada as well, we would be remiss to not explore those uh, possibilities.
1: I believe at the heart of this then it's organized crime? Is it I believe that there might be
2: two different gangs? Or well, at this point, uh, we're not thinking necessarily it's gang-related, but we are open to the possibility that organized crime is is involved. Drugs and organized crime are involved. And like I said before, we need people to come forward, people who have information, so we can help piece each homicide together and determine whether or not these homicides are linked or not.
0: Every so often in Calgary, we will get a string of these. And in the past, it has been linked to gang violence. Going back 11 years when Calgary had its historic high of 34 homicides, it was directly linked to an ongoing feud between the FOB and the FOB killers. Last year, Calgary only logged 17 homicides, so it was a substantial drop from a decade ago. But when you get a handful of them in a short amount of time, immediately the public conversation goes around potential gang violence in the city. Now, if you have information in the deaths of Rasab Saini, Jazdeep Singh, Japneet Malhi, or Bikramji Dinza, you can call the Calgary Police non emergency line at 403 266 1234 or the homicide tip line at 403 428 8877. Earlier this week, Edmonton City Council made the decision to move forward with a draft bylaw that would reduce their city speed limit. It will go down to 40 kilometers an hour in most residential areas as the blanket speed limit in the city uh, and also possibly 30 kilometers an hour in some of the neighborhoods around the city's core. Calgary has been going through a similar exercise, albeit a little bit further ahead in the process. Uh, And joining me to talk about that today is Tony Churchill. He's the leader of traffic safety with the City of Calgary. Tony, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Darren. So, Tony, as I mentioned, uh, Edmonton has gone through this process, but we're quite a ways... Uh, Further through the process in coming up or at least examining the residential speed limits in Calgary. Can you kind of tell me where we're at in that process?
3: Yeah, for sure. So we've kind of been trading places with Edmonton back and forth um, as we've been taking reports to council. Um, But where we're at is we've been asked by our council to come back in June of this year with a, um, an engagement plan for how, how we're going to engage with citizens and uh, businesses and communities in Calgary. And to do that, we're also going to be coming with a few options, so scenarios that... Um, talk about how it could be rolled out, just so that we can have
0: those important conversations with with uh, Calgarians. And what are some of those options that we are looking at? I know that Edmonton, as I mentioned from the outset, is looking at maybe a little bit of a split in some of the speed limits. Can you kind of take me through just a, an overview of what we're looking at for the city of Calgary?
3: Right. So what we're looking at in the city of Calgary, and and this is all for both of our cities. It's coming about because. Um, the Municipal Government Act was was uh, was uh, modified so that we have a city's charter now in our two cities. And so that gives us the ability through bylaw to change the default speed limit, um, which right now is provincially set at 50 kilometers an hour. And so we're looking at two options, basically. We could change our bylaw to 30 kilometers an hour um, everywhere in the city, unless it's posted otherwise, um, or 40 kilometers an hour. And so we're looking at a few different scenarios. And we were also asked by our council to um, consider how we would look at our collector roads. And collector roads, um, it's kind of hard for people to understand. And sometimes the way that enge- I myself as an engineer and our, my colleagues have set it up, um, it's, it's, we have lots of different names for our streets. But really, those are the major, the larger streets within communities. So those are typically ones that have bus routes or snow routes. Um, And so those are ones that we've also been asked to look at. So we're also looking at scenarios for those in terms of would we want to put those down to 30 in terms of the collision reductions on those roads, or would 40 be more appropriate or 50. And for all of those scenarios on the collectors, the big challenge actually is to make those speeds make sense for people. And so that's going to involve some traffic calming. Um, And so, so we're looking at that as well as part of this program. But at the end of the day, it's all about safety. That's what we were asked to look at. That's the rationale behind this.
0: So we're talking about different uh, potential speeds throughout the city. And I know that you and I talked about this uh, prior. When we have, you know, we have 80 kilometer an hour zones, we have 100 kilometer an hour zones, we have 60 kilometer an hour, we might have 50 kilometer an hour, 40, 30. Um, When we start to get into a wide range of speeds throughout the city, is there a danger that that there could be a little bit of confusion uh, for drivers in Calgary here?
3: For sure. That's definitely a risk. Um, and in traffic safety, quite often, an interesting part in terms of the engineering is actually that we're accommodating humans. So there's a huge aspect of human factors. And one thing that makes it difficult for us as humans to know what to do is expectancy and understanding what's expected of us. And so if we can simplify things, just keep it, keep it easy for people, um, that definitely helps out in having more uniform behavior. By the general general public, and we saw that when we harmonized our school zones and playground zones. Um, so at first we had two different times. School zones were only in effect on school days, and there was questions about is it a school day or not. Um, even if even if our children are in the same school system, my child may not have school that day, and yours may. So, so there was a lot of questions there, but we harmonized the time, so it's always the same start 7:30 till nine o'clock at night, and 365 days a year, and we found improvements in compliance. And so reduced speeds um, in the times that didn't change as well as the new times. And we found collision reductions that matched up with those speed reductions. Um, so definitely if we can simplify things, um, that that helps drivers a lot. And so that's one of the benefits of making of the scenarios where we're looking at having, f- for example, 40 kilometers an hour as the residential as the unposted limit, but actually having all of our collectors at 40 kilometers an hour as well. So as soon as you turn off of those um, high volume, higher speed arterial roadways into a community, then it's just consistently 40 everywhere, but we would still maintain the playground zone. So that would help. We would anticipate um, just based on human factors and having better compliance and and the safety outcomes that we're looking for.
0: Now, one of the things that you had mentioned to me, Tony, was... Through this process, there's likely going to be a little bit of contention. We already saw some of it. Uh, what, I mean, what can you say to people who are like, I want to get to work quicker. I, I, you know, but on the other hand, I want my neighborhood to be safe. How do you find that middle ground?
3: Um, well, I, it's a challenge. It's very emotional. It's very controversial. Um, definitely, there are a lot of people who um, who experience speed negatively. Um, they have either a lost a loved one or had a loved one hurt in, a, in an incident, Um, and, but it's one of those things that you or I may not directly be impacted by that for many years, but then we will be. Um, and so it's hard to, to balance the day to day life and the, the challenges and pressures we're experiencing in terms of, I want to get to work and I want to have more time for my family, um, with the risks that are a little bit harder to understand. Um, but at the end of the day, we all want to be able to come home safely. Um, and so, so that's the challenge and. One of the tools that we're working on and are planning on having ready for the June and when, as we move into the engagement um, is a travel time estimator. So it's basically like Google Maps. Uh, so you can say where you want to start your trip and where you want to end your trip, and it'll tell you the travel time for the existing situation and then the travel time for the different scenarios that we're going to be talking about. And when we look at the amount of time that we spend on the in the residential roads as opposed to the arterial arterial or higher class roads it's a relatively small portion of our trips um, and so the the times I think that will help for, to help people understand what the actual impact of their travel times are um, and what the risks are a lot of people have no idea how many people are are injured or killed every year on our roads mm-hmm. um, and it's one of those things that um, may take several years for you to to have a loved one or someone you know who's involved in a collision um,
0: but it can happen to all of us. So, we're talking about traffic safety, and that leads into a conference that's being held here in Calgary later on this month. Maybe tell me a little bit about what that is.
3: Yeah, so the conference that we're holding um, or that we're hosting is the CARSP conference. So, that's the Canadian Association of Road Safety Professionals. Um, And I've actually been a board member on CARSP for several years, um, actually from before I even started working at the city. Um, But it's a great organization um, in traffic safety. Uh, One of the things that makes it really unique um, in terms of professional organizations is that it's multidisciplinary. So we have engineers uh, like myself, we have healthcare uh, professionals, we have researchers, we have enforcement officials. Um, So it's a very diverse group of, of professionals that are all interested in improving traffic safety. Uh, And so it's a really good multidisciplinary group where we bring lots of different views and kind of collaborate on how we can leverage all of our efforts to improve traffic safety.
0: And so what are some of the emerging trends? Obviously, I'm I'm guessing when you get that many people in a room, you start to talk about how things are evolving, whether it's driving patterns, whether it's design factors, whether it's things like changing the speed limits. Um, what sort of things are you seeing that you know maybe maybe Calgary five years seven years down the road sees or things that we might implement in new communities?
3: So uh, so I guess one thing I'll just start with the overarching theme for the conference and it's Vision Zero, um, which is contentious as well um, because a lot of people have different interpretations of what Vision Zero is. But Vision Zero is really about making sure that um, acknowledging that we're we're all human. We all make mistakes, um, and when we make mistakes, our human bodies are vulnerable to harm. Um, so we have to try and control that energy. So that's where this, the importance of speed comes in. Um, but a big part of that is uh, shared responsibility and getting everybody working on it. Um, so that's the overarching theme. Um, and Vision Zero is about reducing fatalities and serious injuries. So it's not about getting all collisions to zero. Um, We recognize that because we make mistakes, there will always be collisions. We just want to make sure that no one's getting injured or killed. So quite often people say, that's ridiculous. We'll never completely eliminate collisions. And we recognize that. We just want to make sure that no one's getting seriously injured or killed. Um And then, feeding into that some of the sub themes that we're going to be talking about um for sure there's some of the emerging trends are um impairment by by drugs and alcohol, so that's still still a major issue and um with the legalization of cannabis last year there's there we're starting to get some research on on how that's starting to change and how enforcement is being done, so we'll have a few uh discussions about that. Um, distracted driving is continuing to be a rising issue that's actually um, taken over impaired driving by alcohol now as a contributing factor to collisions Um, so that's definitely serious and we see that every day in calgary if you can't help if you're driving around if you're at a stoplight um, i would ask you just to look to your left and right and chances are good that someone's you know looking down at their crotch and trying to be subtle about it or not even in both hands up on the steering wheel. I may texting. or may
0: not be guilty of that. <laughs> and so,
3: so we know that um, texting and driving increases the risk of collisions by 24 times. There have been quite a few studies of that. Um, and in addition to that, um, even if you are stopped at a traffic light and you're not moving, so you don't perceive that there's any risk, Um it, We see all that I see all the time that people will be texting, and they'll be so busy with their device that they don't notice the traffic starting to go when the light changes to green, and so that really creates a lot of congestion issues and and raises frustration levels because now we're not getting as many vehicles through those lights as we could, Um, so and that, and sometimes those frustrations can result in, in undesirable behaviors as well. So it's better just to put your phone down. And I'll also just say that we know there's lots of scientific evidence, especially from here at the University of Calgary, um, but, uh, worldwide showing that, um, hands-free talking is just as dangerous as handheld talking. So it's not illegal in Alberta, um, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's safe. So I'd recommend just putting your phone down, um, you know, getting around safely, um, just, just, Plan, plan your trip so you've got a little bit of time at the end that you can return those calls or make those texts or tweets or whatever you need to do, um, just save it for the end. One of the other themes that we're going to be talking about is um, autonomous vehicles um, oh. and the move towards connected vehicles and autonomous vehicles. So how we're going to be leveraging technology to improve safety. Um, so in Calgary, we recently, last year, we had a pilot of uh, autonomous shuttle technology between the, uh, the science center and the zoo. So we're gonna be talking a little bit about that and some of that technology, and also some of the challenges that, that we're facing in terms of the uh, auto- automation of our vehicles um right now we're kind of in a transition stage where we're the technology isn't quite there yet for fully autonomous vehicles there's still going to be a need to pass control back and forth from the vehicle to the motorist and there's a lot of challenges there again back to human factors and expectancy about people being ready to take control of the vehicle back and and having the skills to do that if it's something that they're not regularly doing if it's if it's something that the autonomous vehicle can't handle and the human operator isn't doing that on a regular basis, they may not even have the skills to do that. So there's a lot of challenges there. Of course, there's lots of insurance questions and there's a lot of things that we've been wrestling with and talking about for a long time but we're going to have some more discussions about that at this year's conference as well.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Again, I'm here with Tony Churchill, Leader of Traffic Safety with the City of Calgary. Thank you so much for updating us on where we're at with the residential speed limits. No doubt that conversation is going to continue for the next set several months, and uh, best of luck uh, at the conference that we're hosting this year in Calgary. Thank you very much. As Tony and I continued our conversation off mic, we talked a little bit more about something I found interesting in the whole speed reduction equation. He said there's evidence of a reduction in in in-vehicle serious injuries during collisions when you reduce the speed. I mean, it stands to reason. It really makes sense. You lower the speed, and even the driver's and passenger's safety improves when they're in a vehicle. But despite the overwhelming evidence for safety on Calgary's roads and the likely minuscule effect on drive times via the city's residential roads, this will continue to be a hot-button issue in Calgary for the next several months. In an article I did for LiveWireCalgary.com, I also talked with Edmonton walkability expert Tim quarren about why we continue to have such a passionate debate on both sides of this despite this being on our radar for the past decade his answer was pretty cut and dried he said both calgary and edmonton were built as car dependent cities when you threaten that status quo of zipping down city streets at 50 or 60 kilometers an hour tim said quote people lose their minds and they're making it a zero-sum game, he said, like something's being taken away instead of thinking about the safety, the walkability, the community building that's done with lower speed limits. He said, we need to focus on the things that are being added to our lives, not being taken away. But Quaran also said in the end, when the speed limits do change, sure, there will be a very, very vocal group that will kick and scream. That's until it becomes part of everyone's daily routine, and before long, we'll forget the limits even changed at all. But it's a debate that will play out over the next six months. Stay tuned. That's a wrap on this month's show here on CJSW 90.9 FM. We did things a little bit different this month. A few more short bits to give you a wide view of what's going on in Calgary. The past couple of shows, we did have a couple of longer form segments, a couple of bigger topics. Of course, you know, with the election and everything, I guess that's to be expected, right? But that's the one thing I enjoy about this program. The ability to experiment and change and adapt. If you feel inclined, drop me some feedback at darren.kraus at livewirecalgary.com or on Twitter at livewire underscore DK and let me know what you think. We had tons of stuff this month and we hope it got you up to speed, pun intended, and then some. My special thanks to Tony Churchill for taking the time to join me in studio this month to talk transportation and safety and the upcoming speed reduction. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. We'll do it again in another month. Enjoy your June. So long.